My rule is every morning if I wake up and I'm ready to work to be the best and I still enjoy it, then I will continue skating and the date that won't happen, then I'll stop. Excellence is about standards and excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. This episode is the first one recorded with our partner, Le Club Café Cycliste. With a team of sports fans, Le Club is the perfect spot after a training session or just for a moment to relax. They have amazing coffee and a cool terrace where you'll meet athletes from all over Montreal. So thank you, Le Club, for hosting the podcast. In this episode, I sit with Maxime Laoun, Olympic gold medalist in the 5,000-meter relay in short track speed skating. Max is among the most resilient athletes I've had the chance to talk to. After a severe leg injury at the end of 2019, with specialists saying he might never practice speed skating again, Max worked harder than ever to get back on his feet, literally, and into the national team to make it to the 2022 Olympics. Aside from that, Maxime also talks about the importance of family support in high-level sports and of a good sport-life balance. I was always skating with something that helped me to stand up and I was going really fast with it and I wanted to do my first competition with that thing. I don't I don't know the the name. Like a stand or something? Yeah, like a stand. And finally, like the coach and my mother was like, no way, like we're not signing you to the competition with that thing. And then they just took it off and I was it was super hard for me to keep my balance. So I just remember the first time it's like they just grabbed it and took it off and I lost like everything like I just couldn't stand up anymore and I was like oh no I don't want to do the competition so it was pretty funny but yeah that's probably the first memory of like when I was young that marked me okay so can you so first of all can you do you have memories of three and four years old because usually people are like oh 10 12 but you remember stuff at three four years old it's <laughs> you were pretty young to have, or yeah, you have a I, pretty good memory I think it's like something that completely marked me you know like I, I cannot say like oh I remember like how I was dressed or everything or like how I was skating I just remember that they said like you're not skating with that anymore and I just like probably because I was like scared of like it was my my safe heaven like I could always grab on it and stand up and now they just say like you're doing your first competition without it so I think it was just really like it marked me so okay. at that point I was like that's why I remember it but And yeah. then what's then the next memory where you actually can uh, stand up without that uh, that help? Uh, well, after it was, it's kind of blurry. Like I, I cannot tell you one memory. I just uh, remember that uh, I just starting like doing competition with my parents at the stadium. Like I remember that I played hockey around six and I bring some of my friends to skating because they didn't know it. And there was one of the parents that saw me skate and his son was always falling uh, on his uh, ass. <laughs> so they were like, uh, oh, it's okay. Like, don't worry. Like, uh, once you will get good in skating, if you like that, you can wear a pad like Maxim. But I was not wearing a pad just because I always had like a bumpy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it was, uh, that's another memory I had from skating. Okay, so pretty early on. So you, you were not born on the ice, but you probably uh, started skating just after you started walking, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty What? much. What was it in your family? Were, were, were your family or the people in your family involved or, you know, speed skater or skater in general? Or was well, it just uh, you were just put it here just to, you know, spend some time yeah, well, <laughs> on the weekends? Yeah, well, in fact, um, my mother started like trampoline around like 13, 14 years old. 
And she was like, oh, like, I love that sport, but it's too late. You know, it's a bit like gymnastic. Like, you need to start super early for the flexibility, whatever. So when I was born, in fact, she wanted to put me in sport that it was not, like, non known or, like, that everyone does. So that's why mm -hmm. they didn't put me in hockey and stuff like that. Like, they put me in diving, um, swimming, um, speed skating. And it was, like, one of the sport, uh, first sport they put me in, and it just stick. Because I was like, it's the only sport I was always going that I didn't complain. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> didn't complain. That's interesting. Um, to put things in context a little bit, can you explain what speed skating is? I mean, we understand the basics, but what the rules are, different categories when you are, you know, a high level, so that you know the listeners can at least get a bit of uh, understanding of who you are, and then we'll get more into you know your career and your achievements. Yeah. So first of all, like there's like speed skating, and there's like two kind of sport in it it there's long track and short track me i do short track so it's a it's on a rink of 111 meters uh we always turn left and because our equipment doesn't let us turn the other side <laughs> and all the races are on the left um we have three different distance individual individual so we have the 500 meter the thousand meter and the 1500 meters so it's not like the long track where we can say like oh there's really like one sprint one endurance because like it's such short time like short distance that yes for like the 15 meter you need to be more on the endurance side and the 500 meter more on the sprinter side but overall like that's why so many athletes can be good in the three distances because it's always like almost a sprint okay um also like the average of our blades are like 17 and a half inch 18 inch um we wear skin suit and so for the level it's like when you're young like you skate by age and level and then you get good but at one point you get in the mix so you're you start doing like national competition mm -hmm. and in the nationals competition the first eight person are on the team a and then there's a team B and next gen it's called it's like all the juniors that are doing really well and the older people that didn't qualify on the eight first person and um, in the eight first in fact if you do well at the selection and you're in the top six then you can do world cup for the world champ is the top five so that's when you actually start competing uh, internationally right. so it's almost the same team for through the year because we have two selections one in september and one in uh, january and if you're able to make it in the top five you're sure to do all the world cup and world champ this year for the following year yeah okay no uh, for the main year okay yeah. okay um s and on the long track how long is the track you said 111 meter on the short one what's uh, the long like um running so 400 meters okay yeah okay interesting so uh, yeah uh, how different of the skills do you need between short and long track in that case is there like uh, endurance versus you know pure power what's the difference and what made you at some point stay in uh, in short track well first of all is um we don't have a long track rink in quebec since like okay. last year so it was always like skating outside and it's in quebec city so i was from montreal and they made and they put me in short track so it's thick okay. and if i wanted to do long track i need to move at calgary and i didn't want to do that um second like it's really like a different sport physically because us like we need to be more agile and uh, have tactics because we race against other people mm -hmm. so we don't know what happens and even if it's slower it's kind of a quicker sport because like the corner are sharp and you need to be like r really quick okay. uh, long track is more like uh, just pure power so you have like some distance so you have the 500 meters 
which is a pure sprint. It's more like you're alone on the track and you just try to go the fastest. And you also have the 10,000 meter, which is like a super long race. So you need to be more like endurance, like person okay. and everything because it's longer. So it's kind of different. Like we don't train the same way. Like even our skates, we us like our blade is completely stick to our boot and then they have like some cla claps that helps them to push longer. So okay. yeah. And is there in Canada, so in Quebec, I guess it's more short track and in Canada, is there one that is, uh, you know, more uh, covered or broadcasted than the rest or is Canada known for both, uh, both distances or both uh, uh, categories? Uh, I think we're, Well, that's that's a tricky question. <laughs> I think a long tracker, if they learn, well, it's really is different. There, is there like a competition or between a long tracker and a short tracker, or yeah, is there like a uh, are you friends enemies, or do you just don't no. care because it's completely different? Well, I think we come from Canada, so once we get to the games or internationally, yeah. like we both want to win, and we're proud from one to the other. There's a lot of short tracker that go do long track, so it's like it's uh, it's the same sport, finally, just different, like. So yes, you're able to do both, but it it's just like once you get to the international, I can what I can say in fact is that I think Quebec we're stronger in short track and the West is strong stronger okay. in long track. But now it's starting to change since like uh, Laurent Dubreuil and uh, he's doing super well in uh, long track and he has a lot of result in um, Valérie Maltais too. But um, I think we're just like really strong in speed skating overall in Canada. Um, like in short track, we have a long, long history of being strong. In long track, it's like the Dutch are stronger than us normally, okay. but now we're starting to win a lot of medals. So it's, yeah, we're okay. pretty strong. Just Interesting. Both, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, side note right now, because you might hear uh, some background noise like coffee and stuff. So just to mention that it's the first recording that happens. Uh, With our new partners, they are uh, it's Le Club Espresso Bar, so it's a, a nice uh, coffee shop uh, on the plateau in Montreal. So uh, that hopefully that uh, background noise uh, seems cool and makes uh, the recording kind of uh, friendly. Um, and, and thanks to Guillaume and Eddie also for uh, for allowing us to uh, to come here. So going back to you, uh, Maxime. So if we uh, if we look back, your three four is your first time on uh, on the ice. Then you kind of. Uh, start getting into competition and all that. Um, how were you, I mean, in school? And when did you kind of discover that, you know, short track and, and speed skating was more than just fun in a way and that you wanted to uh, reach the top? Well, in fact, I I don't have a memory of that. I just know that at six year old, my parents told me that I was like, I told them that I wanted to go to the Olympic Games. At six? Uh, at six. Wow. I was <laughs> like, I want to go there. And I just like... I think I saw it on TV and I was like, that looks cool, but I, I had no idea what it took to go to get there. So um, my parents always was like pushing me towards my dream. So whatever the dream would have been, they would have pushed me towards it. Um, so when I started, in fact, um, I went to um, primary school in PNDA and they put me through like thousand of sport like I can't even remember like they put me in soccer swimming uh, diving uh, golfing hockey um, even like um, figure skating okay. but the like what I said like earlier it's like the only sport I didn't complain to go it was always hockey uh, speed skating and golf that was the sport I was always happy to go I didn't complain when I was swimming I was always cold when I was diving like I didn't really enjoy it uh, soccer like my mother was like you, you were not even like running in the field like you're just <laughs> looking at the ball pass so it wasn't like sport I was good and wanted to play so that's why like 
those three sports stick. And finally, after, for my mother, it was really, really important school. And for my father, he was pushing me more towards sport. So, like, if I didn't have good grade or I didn't study hard enough, like, she wouldn't let me go to training. Okay. So, that's and why, like, versa. yeah. <laughs> so, that's why I really, like, I was good in school. So, I, I was lucky for that. And we really worked hard because, like, one time, like, I really got a bad grade uh, in primary school. And my mother was like, yeah, you're not going to training because you're not even able to study. So, since that, it really marked me because I was, like, super, like, mad to miss training. So, mm-hmm. from there, like, I really, like, focus on school. So, yeah, I was just, that's how, like, I continued skating and school was still an important place okay. in my life. Uh, yeah. So, when you were six and you realized that you wanted to go to the Olympics, um, wh- did you have, like, an inspiration? Do you have a, an athlete that you kind of saw and you were like, oh, I want to be that person? Or was it just seeing the Olympics in general? Yeah. I think it was just seeing the Olympics. Like, I cannot remember, like, often people, like, ask me, like, did you have an idol in sport or something when you were young? And I can tell, like no like it came like later like i just know that my dad one of his idol was always tiger woods so he was like oh you need to be strong as tiger woods so it was just more like the mental part of being like strong like him being able to win in one of the hardest mm-hmm. sport to win every time and to be one of the greatest athletes so that was like kind of an idol of just being an athlete to be like him but except that like i i cannot say like why i wanted to go to the olympics i cannot tell like oh, the idol i just remember like i was seeing like some skater going super fast that never made it like to the national team or everything they were just older mm-hmm. and stronger than me i was like all impressed but yeah i, I can't remember okay <laughs> no, that's yeah. interesting that's it, it's great we often have people that you know watch basketball and like oh i want to be like michael jordan or uh, whatever soccer hockey uh but yeah for speed skating i was kind of uh, curious to see if it was more just you had fun speed skating and you saw the Olympics and you kind of made the connection. Hey, I want to do both the Olympics and, and, and speed skating. So it's probably your case. Yeah. Um, I read, so I read a bit before yeah. uh, I met you and one of the, in one of the articles, you said that you were surrounded by people who told you that you were kind of trying too hard. I don't know at which point uh, in your career or if it was at the beginning and it might have s- kind of slowed you down in your progression. Is that something that, uh, did I read the right thing? Was it actually a quote from you or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yes, yes. And no, like I think, um, at one point is I like before I broke my leg. In fact, there was like, and even after it's like, I was always someone that's super intense and I was trying super hard, like for a really short period of time, like working like crazy and doing more and more. So finally at one point I was just like, getting tired and then I got lazy and I wanted to rest so it was like I was not constant I was like always up and down at before breaking my leg and then after breaking my leg like I came back and I was like Olympics are like in one year and a half like I need to focus I need to train like crazy so I was just like super intense on what I was doing like training like I didn't skip like I can remember I was on the physio table like every day like working on things like training like two three hours and my warm-ups were like 15 minutes long so it was just like so intense and I didn't have the focus on the, like, I think I needed that focus to get back in shape, but for my personal career to get better, it was maybe too intense because mm-hmm. after like I was getting to competition, like super stressed, I was not okay. necessarily enjoying myself. So, and then I think this year, like I completely changed. So that was maybe the year of the Olympics. I was really like too much. And I think that was one of my weakness. And I learned from it. And I think that's why I say like, yes, I know. Cause 
I needed that back then, but now I'm for my future career and I think for to perform better I need to be more in a certain like balance okay because I was too intense before but I think this year I kind of find found it okay that's yeah. nice so you mentioned your accident of course it's <coughs> sorry the central part or you know some things there's probably a before and an after so uh, can you kind of again contextualize a bit what happens um that day i think november 2019 or something like uh, that yeah no, uh, 22nd november 2019 okay so you know the yeah. date like a like a birthday almost <laughs> or like a rebirth date so yeah what exactly happens uh, that day so in fact it was my first year like i qualify for world cup like officially for all the year and uh, we were doing like practice races and i was doing an outside pass and something like a shady move happened inside of me and they fell and they just grabbed my feet so it stays stuck in the ice and I just turned around so like my leg just snapped and I just remember like it was the first time like my parents we were going to Asia for mm -hmm. the World Cup four and five uh, three and four and my parents were in this stadium uh, in the stands because they were not coming to see me so it was a less practice for mm -hmm. leaving so they wanted to see me and I just remember like I was like that's broken for sure and I was in such pain and the physio was holding my leg and they were like oh maybe it's just your ankle i was like that's broken like my leg just flipped the other side okay. like it's not because you have the you have the kind of you say swimsuit or something so you don't see right so i guess your physio doesn't know right away that it's yeah plus she wasn't like necessarily on the side of the ice like she was like in the room like so she got called like oh, okay, okay, like, okay, okay. i thought she was like holding the leg and she's like oh it's just a sprint uh, no no <laughs> no so oh. i think yeah so i think she was also trying like to Yeah, made me feel better mm -hmm. but i was like no that's not helping and uh, so finally i got to the hospital and it was early and crazy so when the surgeon came he saw that i had like a compression uh, syndrome plus like a my leg was broken at four place and it was like in this fracture en spirale. I don't know how to say it in English. Yeah, three tibia fractures in spiral. Is yeah, in spiral. Yeah, so I, broke, I guess so we I guess say it, it like that. But um, so finally, so like he was it's like... It's because it broke while kind of twisting. It's exactly. not just a break like a, a soccer player could have his, his leg broken. It's because it, it broke as if you were kind of twisting on a, a stick or something. Yeah, and okay. that's, that's pretty like, crazy. Yeah, and <laughs> they were like, that's worse than if it just clean cut yeah it so like when the surgeon came like it was already the question like my parents were like when will it get back in the ice like yeah. it was just fresh so i wanted to get back in the ice because like we knew that my dream was to go to the olympics and it was really coming soon mm -hmm. so when he saw that and he need to like operate me like right away because it was super injurious so a compression syndrome in fact it's like there's so much blood pressure that it compresses your muscles and everything and if you don't operate and Finally, they do like two big cut each side of my uh, lower leg mm -hmm. and they leave it open. So like uh, all like the blood and can, thing com can come out because if wow. they say it, they leave it like that and it get compressed, like my muscle can die and then they need to amputate. Wow. So it's super risky. So finally, they operate me right away. They put me like a rod, um, a plate and nine screws. Fuck. To stabilize everything, plus I had like two huge gap <laughs> on the both sides of my leg. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Like, is that really, <laughs> is that yeah. really finished, or is it <laughs> in the work? <laughs> so it was really bad. So finally, I got to uh, the hospital. Three days went, and then they went. They came back and saw like if they could close it. I was still at the hospital because they need to stabilize me. Plus my wound was open, mm -hmm. so they can not send me like at home. So I just remember he came. He was like, "Oh, finally, like it's better. Like we can close it." And I was like, okay, so I started, like, I wanted to go to s uh, sleep. But then they made me, uh, my, like, they put, like, a bandage. 
over my leg. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother was beside me and I was falling asleep and she just like told like the nurse, it's like not normal, like it's bleeding, it's bleeding, like it doesn't stop. She's like, yeah, it's good, like uh, the the blood is going out, like we will be able to operate him, like it will be less like uh, compression. So we were like, okay, fine. So at one point my mother went to see the doctor. She's like, it's not normal. Like <laughs> there's so much blood. It's been like three full clot that I changed under him that it's like soaked in blood. So he's like, okay. And then finally, when she comes back, she's like, I wake up from a nap and I don't feel good. She go run to get grab the doctor. So I was doing like an hemorrhagia. Okay. I was losing all my blood. And right. I was, when they got me to the operation room again, I lost two liters of uh, blood. Wow. Like so then oh. they operated me and everything. So I send, I was sent back like up. Everything was fine. And then finally, two days later, they operate me and close the wound. So then uh, that was my episode at uh, <laughs> the hospital. And then I was training. I was trying to get back to training. I was, And the surgeon was really, really nice because what we did is that we pushed the maximum we could push. So like he just didn't put me a cast even if maybe I needed one because they want he wanted me to be able to move my ankle. He wanted me to be able like to do some movement. So I, since the day I came back home, like I remember I was in my bed and my mother was like throwing me weights and was like train your arms even if <laughs> I didn't need because she wanted me to move. Mm-hmm. And it was like really a long recovery I had and like the physio like um, remember it was a new physio on the team like Antoine. And he was coming, like walking from the ring to my place to come treat me and going back because oh I wow. was n- I was like, not I was way too weak because I lost so much blood and everything. Mm-hmm. So I like I remember I was doing like a treatment of like an hour. I need to sleep for three after. Okay. So yeah. that was like my recovery and everything. So there, there wasn't really any like pure recovery. You were already from the f- from day one at home. It was like I recover, but at the same time I'm training. Yeah, exactly. And what was the how long did, they, did the doctors or you know surgeon think that you would take to uh, I would say walk again and then uh, ice skate again or speed skate again and yeah. then go to like competition? What was their their thought on it and how did you kind of overperform? <laughs> well, he, he didn't really want to put a time on it, but it was more like s- six to seven weeks before I can put the weight on my foot okay. and then maybe a year before I could actually like skate like before but I was like I don't have that time mm-hmm. so finally it was like listen the the deal we do is like I see you like after four weeks and we will see what happens mm-hmm. if it's fine then I'll let you walk if it's not like we'll just continue to do it so his goal was to let me like pass some big steps but every time I need to go back to see him so after four weeks he came to see me. Mm-hmm. I, I went to see him and then he was like, you know what? It looks fine. You can put 25% of your weight. But he's like, don't put more than 25% of your weight because it could break again. Jeez. So I was like, okay, fine. So he's like, you go on the weight scale, you try your leg and once it's 25%, just feel it because you won't put any more. So after a few weeks, that's why. So I was like walking with the... Oh, and you knew how much you... Exactly you how much I the, could and it was okay. hurting like crazy, but yeah. it was like, it's good because like I was, I need my flex back and everything and it helped. And then after I went to see him back after like, I think three other weeks and he's like, you know what? I think you can walk on it. So try to put more weights, but really slowly. 
And so I was still walking on it. And after it was like all like small steps like that every time. But he, he told me like, I'll push you to the limit. But the limit I give you, it's not extra. It's like really the limit you need to hit. Because okay. if not, it's dangerous. Okay, don't do the don't do the overachiever because you're going to hurt yeah. yourself. It's, like, yeah. it's really like a, a scientific <laughs> limit in a way. Exactly. So finally, like I was happy to have that because that's what I wanted. And he was like freaking out how fast it was going actually. And I think after five months or four and a half, I was back on the ice. Like I could barely skate, but mm -hmm. I, w I was able to put my skates mm -hmm. and the technician at the rink like like grinded all my skates to be able to fit because I still had screws on the side of my okay, ankles yeah. and I couldn't fit in my old boots because they're super tight. So he's, he grinded, I went in it and then I was able to skate and I knew I couldn't be able to get back to 100% with my rod and everything. So I mm -hmm. need to take them off. But normally in Quebec, they don't normally take them off and over uh, i mean they just leave the metal in uh, your leg okay but you know they're not sized to your leg like they just say like i think this is good like they mm -hmm. put it so i felt that something was off so i was like i want them off and that was like the beginning of covid so it was like super complicated okay. to get operated and but it wasn't considered kind of necessary exactly uh, so the government sees the necessity right? exactly so finally i got a surgeon that wanted to operate me and take it off But he was like, you know, we'll just take off the screws. I was like, no, I want the rod and everything out. But he's like, it's super dangerous. It's only been like five months and a half. Normally, we take them out after like a year. Wow. And I was like, you know what? Like, he's like, if we take that out, we can break your leg again. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just going through it. Because if we don't take that off, like, it's sure I have no chance for Olympics. So mm -hmm. I'll take a chance that it breaks again. And finally, like, the surgery went super well. They took me out everything. So that was like after five months and a half. And like even the surgeon that saw me at first and him, he was like, I can't believe like that happened to you. Like did I make it ago, a like case study? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's like, can like, is it okay if I bring your case to my students? Okay. Yeah, really. Oh, so it was a I joke, was but like, it's, uh, it's a real life step. <laughs> no. So I was like, yeah, there's no problem. So I, I think I have a good metabolism and uh, genetics. Okay. So yeah, that's amazing. So w what with the rods and the, and the screw, was it, kind of limiting your mobility or was it just you no know, changing the shape of your uh, of your legs or kind of everything at the same time everything at the same time i think like it was you know i was trying to run and it was not even my leg like yes the fracture i could still feel them and i still feel them sometimes okay. through the the days here but it was more like i felt that the rod was like really like pushing in my kneecap and then the screws was like always hurting because like finally like you know there's always movement yeah And the boots were like really like pushing on it, so I was like, mm, "That's weird." Mm -hmm. But yeah, okay. so that's why I wanted them okay. out. Uh, so there's clearly like a, a before and an after. Uh, the after is you going to the Olympics, and it's whatever the whatever will come next. Um, apart from your mindset, you said that you kind of changed how hard uh, you worked before to a more balanced uh, lifestyle. What what kind of change? in your personal life in a way and also for your uh, your career well in my personal life i think i just noticed like how important my family was and like i, I actually couldn't have done that without them like just to be surrounded by like i never had a bad day like even with my broken leg i mm -hmm. just remember like i cried at the hospital the first day i arrived because of a mix of i was sad not going to like the world cup because i was super excited to go to asia and because it was hurting but Pain. after that like just having them around and you there was never a dot in their head that i was not going to make it so for me it was like oh it's easy and i had so much support from my friends my family that after it was just like a question of when would i get back and not if i will be able to mm -hmm. get back 
So I think that really changed. And honestly, like it made me ma mature, like through my athlete career, like I understood like what was important, what wasn't important. I understood like how to work better. Like, cause finally, you know, like when they say like, try to be positive and like win, like every small step needs to be a win. And at first I was like, you know, that's a bit stupid. Cause like, mm -hmm. I just want to be the best. And right now it's not working. Like why? But then when you break your leg, like, Clearly, I won't be able to be able to squat 200 kilograms like tomorrow. So it's just like small victory every day was my goal. You know, like at first my knee was not able to bend more than like 120 degrees. <laughs> it was like, how would I get in mm -hmm. standing position for skating? So it was just like every degree, like I was winning with the physio. I was like super happy. So I think that was a mindset that changed me. And I understood like what was my weakness and what was my strength and on which one to work when. So finally, when, like, now that it passed and I have no more problem with my leg, it just helped me as an athlete because I know, like, oh, now I need to work on that. Now I need to work on this. And, like, other thing doesn't look, like, important for me that before was, like, really messing with my head, you know? Okay, so does it also, in a way, help you enjoying the small wins? Because you have, you have, like, a, you know, one in a thousand type of personality because you're you know high level athletes so you want to reach the very best every every single time you do whatever you do um and did you feel that there was a difference between the before and the after where because of that recovery you had to every single day like you say enjoy the small win of hey my you know knee bends from now it's 118 and then it's one six uh 116 and then uh, at some point you managed to kind of bend it completely and did, did it make you enjoy those small moments that kind of helps you now as you try to progress more on the speed skating side to more to be more like um appreciative of those small wins every single day and maybe that helps you also get your kind of balanced life yeah well yes in fact <laughs> yeah it's just you know those small wins and then now it's just like my my goal in, like in my life of an athlete it kind of changed because i was like you the year of the olympics i was still stressed and then but at the same time i was less stressed than some than i would have been before because now i was just like look through what you pass look all the small victory mm -hmm. like you shouldn't even be here like you might have died at the hospital so just like enjoy it and have fun so i think that was the nicest part of it because it just made me realize that in my career like why am i skating before i was just skating to skate because it's something that i always did And when I broke my leg, in fact, I was like asking myself too, like, are you skating for the good reason? And finally, the answer was like, yes, I skate because I love it. So like with the small win and the, the fact that I like understood that I skate because I love, then it was completely different. Like mm -hmm. my approach to skating was a lot more like fun. Okay. And you think you ended up a better speed skater after that accident you know we say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger it's a very basic saying um but at the end do you think you would have reached the level you have right now if you had not had that injury or do you think it kind of slowed you down uh to uh to progress um i honestly don't think it slowed me down i don't know if i would have been able to have that because i always had trouble to have like a certain constant uh, constancy and everything in training And I was a lot, uh, I was really stressed and that was impacting the way I was skating. So I don't know if I would have been at the same level, but honestly, I kind of wish it happened like sooner in my career. because now like, I like the point where I am right now as an athlete and I wish like 
it wouldn't have been at 26 because you know it's normal too like i'm way more mature and everything and i remember when i was young and i got on the team everyone was like don't worry like you will mature to it and now like i'm one of the oldest on the team so it's different so i don't know if it's just the maturity of in my age that got me there on my leg but i think it's a mix of everything mm -hmm. so yeah okay so you're back on the ice and started doing competition again end of 2020 early 2021 i guess Something uh, yes. like that. Okay. Yeah. And then the Olympics are about 52 weeks ahead, like a year. Uh, what comes next, and how do you manage to uh, to go back to to it and bring us to the moment when you uh, you uh, you win the the gold medal in relay? Um, well, towards there, I was just like, I need to start training like crazy and everything. And then the selection was like coming in so fast. Uh, just before, in fact. My first competition back was my first world championship in the uh, Netherlands. So um, there was no selection back then. So they made they choose me because I was like really in shape and training to skate all the distance. And okay. I got there, finished six in the 1500 for my first world champ. And it was crazy. I was super happy and then did some races. But like I could tell that I was back in shape and was able to like compete against all the best mm -hmm. like in the world so that made me in confidence and then got the olympic selection and then we really went like i wanted like i was stressed and scaled exactly how perfect and then the last weekend i got hurt like i got the knee to the face so i got a concussion so it was really a stressful event because i didn't know if like they would take me for the team because it was like i was like on the edge and they needed like to give me like a buy request but finally they gave it to me because they like said that oh i think like you would have qualified anyway, like you were strong in training and everything. So then it was like for competition to qualify your country to the Olympics. And this one, like they give me the 500 meters because they thought like that would be the best, com uh, the best like distance I would be in. Mm -hmm. But it was not the distance I actually liked. Okay. So like the first competition I did was in the distance I don't really like for qualifying your country so I couldn't mess up. So those first competition, I was like super, super stressed. So I didn't really skate like I wanted, but I really learned towards it and it made me like understood like what I need to do and how to skate better. But at least in the relay, like we were really, really, really doing well. And every time like um, we, I think we had a good strategy because um, one of our finisher is like Steven Dubois and uh, me and Jordan, like we kind of have the biggest push of the team so we were always like the one pushing steven to finish okay and so we were both like switching position like he was doing the final i was doing the semi or vice versa and then we were really confident because all year like we got like i think two gold one silver and four competition and we worked like crazy on the relay and i think as a team that's the the medal we won the most so when we got to the olympics like the vibe was so cool we were like all relaxed and i knew it was going to go well and Like, we did probably one of the best really, like, ever. <laughs> ever, like, it was, like, pretty nice. And I just remember, like, when I got in the ice and I just, like, was, like, oh, God, like, we're, we're, like, Olympic champion. Like, I couldn't believe it. And so at this day, like, it's just an unreal feeling. And I just remember, like, it was the last event of the Olympics. We finished on, like, the perfect notes, like, the... I, I couldn't describe it. It was just unreal. Awesome. And just to win as a team too, it's like, you know, winning an Olympic gold individually, it's incredible. I think everyone wants it and it's like self-achieving, but to win it as a group, like the, the feeling to be able to like do it with your teammates, it's 
there is nothing yeah, that can the, you, you share the, yeah, the exactly. success with people whether instead of having um, success uh, successing on your own in a way yeah exactly um so what's next now so you're 26 uh i'm feeling so old now <laughs> it's weird <laughs> um what's next for you what's i guess that point is the the top the pinnacle of your career as of today probably but what can you achieve more what 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 is success for you in the next two three five years well i think honestly like uh, my goal is to go to the next olympic games it's milan uh, milan right, exactly um we're almost the same team right now that is still skating like there's just shalom lane that's top. um so for sure that that's my goal but i think my biggest goal is just to get really good individually so i think we have something in team but now i want to like achieve it myself mm -hmm. on some distance like i really start working really hard on my 500 and this year like it kind of i feel that i s i gain a step and i still win it i want to like be able to get on the podium like every world cup and be super constant mm -hmm. that's like my main goal for the next three years and after that well i don't know <laughs> where if i still like it but my my rule is every morning if i wake up and i'm ready to work to be the best and I still enjoy it then i will continue skating and mm -hmm. the date that won't happen then i'll stop perfect that's a good uh that's a couple of good objective um more general question what's your what's your schedule like um as a speed skater like a, a yearly schedule so you just came back from uh, europe you explained before uh before we started recording uh, yeah. that you were visiting europe different countries for different uh, competitions but what does it look like i would say from january to the end of the year what's kind of the moment you need to be at the top shape you have off time um you spend more time at home montreal or on the road what what does it look like for you well in fact in um a normal year you have six world cup L let's say that you qualify for everything you have six world cup one uh, world champ and two selection so the national selection there is one in uh, in september october uh, and one in january and those one m makes you qualify for the world cup and the world champ so it's you compete against all the best in canada and the top six goes to the next competition and how the world cups work is like you have Two World Cups like, stick together, so one weekend back-to-back. -back, and after a break, one weekend back-to-back. -back, a break, normally Christmas break, and then another in February. And then finally, World Cups is in March. So okay. the season is like about six months, but the overall season is like 11 months because we use like a big five months to get back in shape, and that's all summer. So mm -hmm. I start back like on the ice the 1st of May, and then we will train until the 1st of October where the competition season starts. Okay, so you're officially right now because it's mid-April on your quote-unquote off time, even exactly. though you you start training again. Uh, so you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned to me offline that you don't, uh, you have coaches that um, uh, entices you to do other sports. Because I mean, w what are the strength? Uh, I mean, legs naturally that are required for speed skating. But what's really what makes a good um, speed skater in terms of you know, your your body and your, your physical uh, uh, capabilities? Well, I feel that it's like really a you need to have a perfect balance. So what I don't like about our sport is <laughs> just like we need to be the smallest possible, like the skinniest for the most powerful you are. So you need to really find a balance in that. Okay. And that's what I ate because I love eating. <laughs> so I just can't eat as much as I want because if not, I think I would be fat if I was not going sport. But it's it's really hard. So that's like nutrition is super important. So 
And then after, like, to be a good skater, I think it depends, like, which kind of skater you are. You know, like, I'm one of the heaviest on the team, so I'll never be able to skate like Steven Dubois, which is a super light skater, and vice versa, because it's just different. So some are just more powerful, some are just more explosive, some are more, like, in endurance. I think, like, right now, like, with the competition I did, I'm starting to push towards, like, I'm starting to be more like a sprinter guy. Mm -hmm. Like, I love 500 meters and 1,000 meters. I didn't really race the 15, so I don't know. Like, I'm still able to take a lot of lo uh, load in training. But so finally, like, if I look at that, like, a, a skater, what make our strength in Canada is that we are all different, but we are able to compete. And it just really depends, like, what you are and what you want to work. Because I can say that if I want to be a sprinter, then I'll do a lot more weight session to be like more like strong mm -hmm. more explosive like do some sprints and do a bit of arabic like if someone is more like on the 1500 meter then the training on the ice will be different it will do longer laps harder laps and so overall like we have like a certain schedule that everyone follow but then they do individual training so and when you talk about our coach that likes to do like us to do other sports it's just for our mental break so finally like we have RLB session that we need to do every week mm -hmm. and let's say that we have three hours that's everyone that needs to do that because they believe that it's the best for us so after all you do your three hours it depends to you so I could do like tennis I could go play tennis I could go play badminton I could do a bicycle ride or run it okay Yeah. Okay, so you're your bike uh, bike riders. You told me a bit, so you didn't know the club, but now you know you'll stop here for a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for nice sure. coffee. Um, so yeah, you, you now you are back into the kind of you do whatever you want, but you train, <laughs> not necessarily on ice. Um, and I read also that you're good at golf, or you also told me that you're good at golf. It's kind of fully different, I would say. Do you think there is a reason why you're good at those two sports that are? I think kind of opposed, but do you think do you see sorry any similarities between those two uh, those two activities? Uh, similarity, yes and no, because like you still need to be in shape. Like the golf really changed in the last year. Like it's not like just players that just are good. Like they start training and mm -hmm. they're really strong physically. So I think that helped me because I was always like a long hitter. Um, I think why I'm good at golf, it's not really complicated. My dad is one of the sports I love the most, so he brought me with him Like okay. since I'm like one year and a half. He was giving me like plastic clubs, go hit beside him, taking my balls, dropping it where his ball was, hitting a ball again. So golf was always like the sport I was doing besides skating. And I got to a point in my career where I had like NCAA offer for golf and oh, yeah. the national team of sea skating wanted me and they were like, you know what, you need to choose. Like you're not able to do one or the other. So... I choose a sport that was at Olympics at that time because that was my my goal, uh, my dream. So I chose skating, and also like I knew that if I chose skating, like I was still able to go golf for fun, and that's why I'm still doing this summer mm -hmm. and in my off time. But if I chose like um, uh, golf, then I would never skate again because it's not a fun sport just to do because your legs are hurting, and if you're not in shape, then your legs are hurting, and you don't even go fast. And me, what I love is to go fast, so. Mm -hmm. That's why I chose skating, but the reason why I'm good at golf is just it was the same sport I was doing since I'm super young and that my dad like brought me towards it. And I just like the mental thinking of that sport. Like it's so hard to be focused for four four hours and a half and just to be outside and play like different golf courses, it's incredible. 
and it's it's really different from skating and maybe that's why like i enjoy it that much besides skating because you know like you're always in a rink like i don't think i would have been able to do like i, s I also played hockey but that was art because it was both in winter both in arena it was mm -hmm. not really different for me to push both sport at the maximum but now like golf and speed skating was perfect because it was like two opposite it was two different season it was so when i was golfing i was not thinking about speed skating and when i was speed skating i was not talking about golfing mm -hmm. so i think it was like the perfect mix um so that's interesting so golf uh is i would say more broadcasted or more famous than uh, speed skating is and uh, that brings me to one other question is when I'm not doing this podcast, as I told you, I'm more in the, in the business side and I'm, I'm always curious about the relationship between sport and business in general. So here in Canada, we know hockey, of course, ice hockey. Uh, now we start seeing a bit more soccer, um, but ice skating is, I think, still kind of uh, undercovered, under broadcasted. Um, so are you a professional, considered a professional in the, you know, making money off of it, sense of the, the professional word, word, sorry, or, um, and, and or do you have like sponsors and how do you live off um, uh, the sports and because you have to travel, you have to get your gears and, and all that. So how does it work? And, you know, are there, you know, of the top five in Canada, maybe are professionals and the other one needs to have kind of, you know, a side job to make yeah. ends meet? How does that work? Well, first, like we're not considered like professional, like we're really like a amateur sport. But we still get a funding for government. It's okay. not like a big funding, but just enough like to be able like to live, you know. Yeah. Um, like I wouldn't be able to say like even like the best speed skater like they won't like in Canada I mean like they won't be able like to stop their career and never work again like mm -hmm. it's not that kind of money like you just are able to live off of your money and the best you get then you get sponsored like right now I have a sponsor it's Isla like it's the biggest like lenses uh, company like in the world and I got it because of my dad because it was in the optical mm -hmm. business so they really support me and they help me towards Interesting. like my career. So you need to get all from outside. Like I, I can say like my, the blades are given to me, like my equipment, mm -hmm. like the, the more like I got good, the more equipment I got, like my skates, like from Apex, like I make them like they're molded to your, uh, to your feet and they cost like a lot of money. So yeah. it's nice to have like them support you. But overall, like it's not, I didn't go in that sport to make money <laughs> yeah. and I find it it's sad that it's not a well-known sport because like every time that we go to the Olympics, like people are like, yeah, speed skating is incredible. Like we love to watch it. But mm -hmm. then after the Olympics, like it gets dead. And the yeah. only thing like the news cover, it's like they cover like hockey in Canada. And yes, we're good, but we're also good in other sport. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that's terrible in a way that, you know, whatever we can see on the media is what, sales in a way so when i was looking you up on you know just googling you yeah. it's most of the articles will be around your injuries not around you know your medals or your top results or being fifth or fourth or third in a in a world cup event so yeah it's kind of sad because they it i would say newspapers and 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 tv channels and all that are not pushing what people should want to see but they are pushing what you know makes people click and it's oh it, get, it got injured and it, it's nasty and all that and that's what you find online unfortunately not the all the you know all the efforts you do in the background not the results you have so yeah it's kind of uh annoying i would say um and uh yeah there is a peak definitely on all sports that are undercovered at the olympics <coughs> when i was talking to mariev uh, she is a retired uh, weightlifter she said that you know after the olympics everybody was like oh sh <laughs> oh well it's super nice you know it's super nice to see it's probably super interesting so i guess the federation gets more requests 
but then you know kind of the it, it slows down probably a few weeks afterwards and you know there's less uh, interest around the sports but it's probably extremely um you know impressive and um, seeing your, your experience i guess your, all your partners it's it's a lifetime that you you know you you dedicate to the sports so uh yeah it's it's kind of sad what's the um the government support you have is it like can fund or um uh well can fund is like a, a insane program like uh, i would I'll, i'll take the time to explain it. it's just yeah. like a group of person that donates money to can fund and um can fund actually like give money to the one that is the most like in need like mm -hmm. to the and like i think this year like all the winter olympians i think 90 percent got can fund money okay. so that's incredible because some for some sport like it's really hard because you barely have funding like your sport to travel around the world because you like a fortune so they need to work with double jobs so it's an amazing program but it's just a bursary like i think now this year they went up and you get eight thousand dollar like and you can get it twice in a year so it's still not a lot and if yeah, it's not it's barely enough to pay for no, a exactly. couple of yeah, plane now tickets we got like a, a funding from like um the canadian uh, canadian committee and it, we get it's the same thing for everyone it's like three thousand five hundred thirty dollars per two months okay and so that's it's like a minimum wage in a way yeah exactly kind of. and that's the only funding you get if you are in the best of your sport because if you're not Damn. you get no funding okay and you have any i would say financial rewards when you you know make a nice uh, result in in a international event or not yeah even? Uh, yeah we get some but it's like nothing that will well yeah. like it's uh, not uh, incredible it's not i think winning the like stanley cup right <laughs> no you i think like the wedge for like because it's public and you can go see it but i think like for the first place like at the world champ is you finish first in the world and you get seven thousand. <laughs> so it's not like incredible but no, you know we do that sport because we love it and yeah yeah and and that thing that's something that i mean should be more known because when i guess when i was younger now i know but when i was younger and i saw the olympics for me they every single person you see at the olympics are the best that's for sure but i thought everyone was a professional and could live off of it and you know didn't have to worry about you know uh how much they made and if they could you know keep going a few months later so i think it's hopefully with that podcast it can be kind of a yeah. um a bit more known that the people that represent us and the olympics are probably the most uh, seen sport event after whatever the world cup and the, maybe the mm -hmm. tour de france yeah. uh, but you see people that represent your country across the world and those people are, are just barely helped just enough so that they keep they can keep competing right yeah exactly it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy um um yeah and so what's next so your career you're 26 you still have hopefully many many years uh, uh ahead uh, i saw that you might want to be an optometrist and you mentioned your dad that uh, had um uh, business in the optical i don't know if that's yeah. said you can say that but in the uh glasses um industry so yeah tell me about that and well, what you think might come next well it was at first my plan was like super easy like i was actually finishing skating going to work for my dad and everything but then two years ago he decided to sell his business so now like i won't work for my dad so at first i wanted to be optometrist because it was like a job that my dad like every time like he was trying to find optometrist and it was art so i was like oh if that's my business then if like an optometrist doesn't get in the business i can fill for fill in for him but i never like i love to talk with people i love to like you know like i'm the kind of guy that always like try to make groups and make activities mm -hmm. and be together like i'm really social like i make like a lot of food at home and i invite my friends over and we make like 
like nice meals and everything so i think that's a part that i love and i always wanted like maybe to open like a wine bar because i love wine too a wine mm -hmm. bar or restaurant or even a cafe so i'm really happy to be here because <laughs> i love coffee so everything that touch food like i'm really an epicurean like i i'm crazy about it i just don't know like if i will be able to make the sacrifice for the lifestyle that come with like a restaurant because you know like you make so much sacrifice when you're like a sportive like an athlete and everything and then you get to the end of your career like i don't know if i was still able to like to say like i work every night because mm -hmm. at one point like when i stop skating like it will be maybe time for me to have kids or something so like my parents what i love about my parents is that they were always there for me when i need them and like even if my dad was working like really really hard like it was still will it take time off to come see mm -hmm. me but like in a restaurant like you miss a lot of nights and everything and if your kids go to school in the day then you don't see them so that's something that i really want to but at the same time i don't know if i'll be able like to live the lifestyle so maybe a cafe maybe i don't know we'll see but i have a lot of things that i want to do like i love school i want to go back but because of skating i really never like took the time to mm -hmm. see if i would be able to do a full-time job at it like there's a lot of things i love but is could it be my my job for the rest of my life i don't know yeah so, and at the end of the day when you are a high level athlete you kind of give your 110 percent every day so probably not a nine to five job would you know fit your uh, personality i would say but there i learned something recently that's called i think the kind of post olympic peak syndrome where you know you kind of reach that peak of adrenaline and you know training and all that and then after that you kind of it it, it feels like you don't have much to do so i guess post-career you know that there are i guess lots of uh, uh, athletes that you know talk about mental health issues after the end of the career because you don't necessarily have a, a goal anymore right so probably that kind of entrepreneurial spirit probably that you you took from your dad will uh, will uh, you know take uh, take the, the best of you and uh, you'll start your cafe coffee and then you'll make it uh, bigger and then you'll have your restaurant and stuff like that so that's probably <laughs> I don't know. It's just my uh, my guess, my uh, my bet on you. <laughs> no, but that, that's a good bet. Like, yeah, I think so. But it was just like to do another challenge. In fact, mm -hmm. like, you know, at first I always told myself, like, uh, after the Olympics, like, if I win a gold medal, like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I won't be an athlete anymore. Like, I'll do something else in my life. But then finally I was like, I love it so much. Like, I'll continue. But I think it's just like you put goals in your head and I always like love restaurant. I always love having that. So maybe it will be a goal. But right now it's just so hard to focus on something else because like it takes such a big time. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like it's a bit on the side, but I'm not really stressed about my future. That's perfect. <laughs> um, one of the actually one of the scripted question that I didn't uh, tell you before uh, we <laughs> recorded is if you were able to meet the 10 year old you, 10 year old Maxim, and you could give him a couple of advice, what would they be? I think I would say, like, uh, listen more to your parents because <laughs> uh, I kind of lost a lot of years of maybe, like, I wouldn't have need to pass that. Maybe, like, in fact, it helped me for now because I'm more mature. But, like, I was a bit, like, uh, you know, like, they tell you something and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like, you're yeah, exaggerating. I know I know yeah, better. I know better. And then finally, like, two years later, you're like, oh, my God, you were right. Like, I should have listened and I wouldn't have lost those two years. So I would say, like, you know, your parents were was like pushing you hard and stuff like that but they were right so like now i can see it so i think it's the only advice i would tell myself Kay. but if not like i think I, i like my career i like where i am i like like the school I, i did and everything so like i don't really have any regrets except that maybe i would have not even achieved anything if i would have done something yeah. different but if not like 
maybe yeah. we'll tell him to take the inside instead of the, uh, the outside on that turn on November 22nd, 2019. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe that will be a second advice. <laughs> um, okay, so the, the other uh, two questions I'd like to ask. One is uh, if I if you were to kind of um, uh, give the, the, well, you do relay. Uh, so if uh, you were in a, if that podcast was a race and you were to uh, um, uh, refer me to a person, uh, an athlete that you know, Canadian, you know, uh, whether it's in speed skating or not, who would that person be? Is there someone that comes to mind? Yeah, well, I try to stay outside of speed skating because it's nice to discover other athletes. Yeah. Like maybe it's uh, have something for her because it's uh, she's my sister, in fact. But uh, she she had a big story when she was young. She almost died, uh, also. So, but um, she's part of the Canadian team for the Souris Muet. Okay. Um, and she just went to the Olympics. For uh, which sport? Uh, golf. Oh, you, okay. Yeah. Um, so you said uh, uh, for golf okay, and sorry. everything. So. Uh, it's pretty amazing and like everything she went through uh, i think it's like a nice story to come yeah, to and it's this like would, this would be an amazing it's, story it's yeah. impressive to see like even if i'm her brother like to see it from outside and everything she achieved like it's really something so yeah well, i would tell her definitely to go see yeah, her. <laughs> i'm pretty sure you you uh, have a, an easy contact with her so uh, yeah. yeah if you get introduced that will be wonderful um the the next one is so I'm building uh, at my place a wall of fame where I want to hang a few uh, gears from successful athletes uh, with a nice signature on it. Is there something that you have in your you know, old drawers that's about to go to trash that yeah. you might uh, might have for me? Yeah, we we have a couple uh, of uh, skin suits per year. So it's been a couple of years on the national team. So I probably have one for you. Uh, if you have one that's about <laughs> to go to trash, that will be wonderful. I'm sure it will look pretty awesome <laughs> yeah. on the wall um okay so i know we didn't talk about like a, your image and how you know social media and all that is there a place where our listeners should follow you uh after that episode uh i'm i try to be active in social media because nowadays like yeah. everything <laughs> is on social media like you like you can reach me on facebook or instagram i don't really have like i have a linkedin but i'm not really on it i still don't know how it how works that much. <laughs> I don't have TikTok and I don't have uh, Twitter. So I think that would be the two, the best bet. Perfect. So what can we wish you? Uh, I guess the next Olympics and the next uh, good results, uh, maybe on the individuals. Uh, yeah. On the individual I think individual. just uh, to stay in health and uh, to have fun. And Wonderful. that's the most important. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, Maxime, for coming here. Um, I'm sure we'll be in touch pretty soon and hopefully I can have a chat with your, uh, with your sister. Super. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So, if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life! <laughs>